morning, church. Have a great opportunity today before I preach. Um, just to, had a conversation at the end of my talk last week with uh, actually one of the founders of this church. I had an opportunity uh, as I was kind of uh, when he was getting ready to leave, and I could just see that uh, that the Lord had something heavy on him. And uh, if um, I, at this time, I guess I would just like to invite Marshall up, and I can talk while he walks. Um, Marshall is—he's uh, one of the founders of the church, but you can sit right here, my friend. And uh, there's your microphone. And when he was getting ready to leave, I could just see that the Lord had just had something on him. It's really spoke to him, and he came forward and he started to tell me a story about his brother. And I thought, well. We can't miss this opportunity as a church, um, so please, I know we haven't, but please, could you just give Marshall a, uh, a round welcome of applause, please. And so what we're going to talk about is your brother Jack. Yes. And last week's message, if you weren't here, but uh, taken right from James as we've been in our study, and it was talking about the brevity of life and what we're supposed to do in this life. So, Marsha, please tell us about, about your brother. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Can you hear me all right? I want to introduce you to my brother, Jack. We were very close, very close. In fact, we literally grew up together. He was 17 months younger than me. We, uh, we played together. We fought together at each other. The usual thing with brothers. And uh, Jack was one of those kind of fellows that, you know, if I was shooting basketball with him, he, he wouldn't play like he was supposed to. He would do something else with a basketball than playing with that. Same way with playing pitch. How many of you have a brother or a sister that would play pitch with you? I would throw it right to him, but he'd throw it up here or throw it on the ground. He's just that kind of a guy. And if you if you knew him, you would love him. He was a very outgoing person, very friendly. Anyway, uh, this passage, if you'd open your Bibles, go back to James chapter 4, and I, I'll start with, chapter, with uh, verse 13. I'm going to read this aloud. Just follow along with me. 13 says, Come now, you Put a little say, closer. Today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Verse 14, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor. My Mine says vapor. Mm -hmm. Chad said mist. Mm -hmm. Same thing. That appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Now, I want you to turn to Psalm, that's right in the middle of your Bible, chapter 39, verse 11. Psalm 39, verse 11, right? Yes. Okay. With reproof thou dost chasten a man for iniquity. Thou dost consume as a moth what is precious to him. Surely every man is a mere breath. Every man is a mere breath. See, that's a companion in the Old Testament to what's said in the New Testament. And this is what I want to lead up to. Jack and I, as I said, were very close. When I got married, 
uh, I had we had to go into the clothes closet and take out what we wanted, and what was left was his because we were the same size. We had a, a 47 Ford, only one car, and we shared that as well. And it was a joy to be with him and also aggravating at times. <laughs> but anyway, he was a good guy. He was involved in a business that I had worked in part-time, uh, Jet Screen Company. We made, uh, David, you'd be interested in this, we made aluminum framed aluminum screening custom-made. Now, there's a difference there because somebody has to go out and measure your windows and then bring the measurements back, and we made the screens to fit, and then the person who measured had to go hang them. And he could do most everything from outside, but he did have to go in the homes. And that's how Jack got started in the business. And he stayed with that. Well, I moved on down to Dublin right after marriage. In fact, we didn't stay another day in Atlanta. That was our move out. And we moved, in, moved to Dublin five times in my career. That's the record, I think. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jack was living his life out in Atlanta. We didn't get to see each other much. But two months after we got married, he married his girlfriend. And we used to double date because we had one car. <laughs> and so they, he was working in the screen shop. And the owner, at one point in, in time, said, I'm tired of running this business, Jack. You know how to do it. I want to sell this business to you. And you don't have to go out and get a loan. I just want you to pay me so much per month until you bought it. And he was glad to do that. In fact, he brought his wife in to do the book work. So they're up there living their life. We're down here and everywhere else we moved to living out our lives. And didn't really get to see them much except maybe on Christmas or Thanksgiving, something like that. Anyway, Jack had similar likes as I did. He liked to hunt. He liked to hunt deer. As so do I, but I don't hunt anymore. Anyway, uh, we were living in, in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And uh, in our church, we were having a, a session on how to share your faith. And using uh, a little track to do that. And we came home on a Friday night about, got there about 10 o'clock, phone rang, and my, I picked up the phone and answered it, and it was my dad, and I could tell he was upset by his voice, and he says, Marshall, I don't know what we're going to do, and I said, what is it, Dad? I thought it was my mother, because she had been in bad health. He said, I don't know what to do. Jack's dead. He's dead. And that floored us all. And I'll tell you that story next. He and a neighbor across the street from where he lived liked to hunt. But he wanted to take Jack out to a place where he knew there were deer. And so they made plans on a Friday afternoon to go out and scope the area out. And uh, Jack liked to hunt out of a tree stand. I don't know if everybody knows what a tree stand is. But anyway, 
it enables you to climb the tree and get up high, which is a good way to hunt deer. And he even made two tree stands, one for me and one for him, out of some aluminum products. But it was in the early days of climbing using tree stands. And the way you had to do it, if I can explain it briefly, it was a platform that you put a piece of the, the uh, stand around the tree and lock it down, and then you hug the tree, <laughs> you hug the tree, pine tree usually, and you uh, stand up on the platform and you reach as high as you can reach, and you lift your legs up, and, and there's stirrups in the platform, so you pick the platform up and plant it, and then you reach up again, and you're going up like a worm, just like this. And it was very strenuous going up or coming down. And some of you I know know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, this neighbor friend of his met, and they were going to spend the night in the woods and hunt on Saturday morning, which was opening day. And so... What I found out later as the story went on was, and I'll tell you how it, how it unfolded, Jack had climbed a tree, and it's, it's very strenuous to do that. And uh, he came back down, and he, the, the guy who was with him told me this part of it. He said, we were sitting on the ground laughing about getting old and out of shape. Now, Jack was 37 years old. 37 years old. And so after they had a little of the laughing part, uh, he said, come on, Jack, I'm going to take you to one more spot, spot before dark. You might want to put your stand down there. And so they get up and start down a hill, and he was leading the way, and my brother was following him. And he heard my brother say, oh, my God. And he turned around, and he grabbed his chest. So the guy knew that there was some problem there. And he went down, just like that. And this guy was a teacher, taught shop in a high school. But he was, he was also a teacher of CPR. And so Jack was out, and he started working on him. And he said, I, I worked on him for 10 minutes with no response. And he said, I literally panicked. I knew that I could not do anything for him. He said, I just ran out of the woods back to where we had parked and where we were going to camp. And at that time, there was another party had come in to camp also. And believe it or not, there was a doctor in the group. So he told them quickly what, what had happened. And they walked back down into the woods. And by the time they got to where my brother lay on the ground, it was completely dark. He did a cursory examination of him, and he said, there's nothing you could have done. He's gone. Just like that. He's gone. At 37. At 37. Now, remember these two verses I just read to you. They basically say, your life is just a vapor. You don't know when or where, but it's going to happen. Jack loved the Lord. He was a good Christian. He was in a small church outside of Atlanta. 
he eventually sang in the choir, which I would have never thought about doing. <laughs> we had a good voice. And uh, just to show you his interest in, uh, in what he did, he sang bass. They tried out for the bass position on a, on a singing group. It's a sunny south, and they had been here before in, in Dublin. I don't know if any of you ever heard of the group. But he was the bass singer with Sonny South. And he's gone. And uh, his wife just didn't know what to do. Nor did we. But anyway, at the funeral, that Sonny South Quartet, during the service, sang his favorite song and asked everyone to join in. And that was... Victory in Jesus. Some of you may know that song. It's, I think, one of the best hymns you'll ever want to sing right here. means so much. But Jack, let me tell you what happened. Jack owned that business, and just a few weeks before his passing, he had a physical to buy insurance to be sure that if something had happened to him, the business would go on. And so we had a full uh, examination by a doctor. And one thing they don't check, you know, such a thing as that, is it could be an aneurysm somewhere. That's a silent killer. And that's what the doctors assumed he had, was an aneurysm. He didn't know what he had. But he knew he was always taking these anti-acid tablets because he thought it was something in his stomach. But he was having trouble with aneurysm. Just like that, he was gone. Had two sons. The youngest was profoundly deaf. And uh, they had through, been through many trials like all young couples do. The point I want to make is, and the scripture tells it all, we don't really know when our time is going to be up. But we do know this. If you're not a Christian, now is the hour. Amen. And so I want, God just laid it on me when he was reading that passage and we were studying it. Your life really is like a vapor. You know what happens when something's vaporized, it just goes away. <laughs> and you don't know when it's going to go and how fast or anything. But that's a perfect example. Now, he had an employee that he particularly had been working to share the share Christ. And he would always say, oh, I don't want to do that right now. I don't want to do that right now. And that Saturday morning when we went to the funeral home, there this employee was who I knew. He was standing there looking into the casket, shaking his head. And he said, Jack tried to tell me. He said, uh, I need to get right with the Lord. I took him out to the front door of the, of the, of the uh, building there. And I shared Christ with him. And he prayed to receive Christ. And after having done so, my younger brother, Robert, came up to me. And he said, Marshall, I need to hear that too. So this was, I don't know if y'all caught this, this was on the day of the memorial service yes. of Jack. Yes. 
someone that Jack had been ministering to. No response. Right. And then he came forward. He, he crossed the line of faith that day. He said, I understand now what Jack was trying to do for me. Wow. And my brother, in the same position and seeing that, and so I shared with him, and he prayed to receive Christ. <laughs> and so that's what those verses are all about. If there's somebody in this auditorium right now who's debating what they ought to do, I would say to you, based on what you heard from me, that now is the hour. Now is the day. And this church wants every opportunity to share Christ with those who don't know him as they say. Amen. And Amen. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Thank you very much. Thank you.